We're talking about doors and opportunities. That's what we're talking about. The message title is Closed Doors and Greater Opportunities. Acts chapter 16. We're going to read verses 6 to 13. It's the second missionary journey of Paul and his uh, co-laborer on this journey is Silas. And you can assume there were some other folks, but it's Paul and Silas. We talked about how Paul and Barnabas split ways uh, because of John Mark, and they are now traveling to, to visit the churches that were planted on the first missionary journey. And today we'll talk about how Paul's path on this journey goes further than those churches that were planted. Okay, so closed doors and greater opportunities. Verse 6 reads this. And they passed through the Phagerian and Galatian region, having been forbidden by the Holy Spirit to speak the word in Asia. And when they had come to Mysia, they were trying to go into Bithynia, and the Spirit of Jesus did not permit them. And passing by Mysia, they came to Troas. And a vision appeared to Paul in the night, a certain man of Macedonia standing and appealing to him and saying, Come over to Macedonia and help us. And when he had seen the vision, immediately we sought to go into Macedonia, concluding that God had called us to preach the gospel to them. Therefore, putting out to sea from Choaz, we, we ran a straight course to Samothrace and, uh, from, and on the following day to Neapolis and from there to Philippi, which is a leading city of the district of Macedonia, a Roman colony, and we were staying in the city for some days, and on the Sabbath day, we went outside the gate to a riverside where we supposed uh, there would be a, a place of prayer, and we sat down and began speaking to the women who had assembled there. Amen. I tried to accomplish something with this title slide, and it was not only letting you know that there are doors or opportunities in our lives. That is kind of the backdrop idea, opportunities, doors that open and close. But what I hoped to accomplish with the coloring of this slide is that the closed doors stand out to us. You look at your life and everything that has passed by and you think of the doors you walked through and the doors that were shut. Seemingly, we focus, we fixate on the closed ones. That there are all of these opportunities in front of us, but there was something that we were denied. And somehow our heart, our minds, and everything that is within, we look at that, we fix it, and we say, I want that. That's what stands out. That's the marker. That's bright red saying, yes, that's what I wanted. And all along, the longer we focus on the big closed red door, we begin to miss out on the opportunities that weren't yelling at us, but were there. And I, I think... It presents itself on a regular occurrence, these opportunities. But too often, we don't grab a hold of them because we were waiting and are still waiting for certain doors to open. Let me bring you through the map. This is how the journey started. It started in the city of Antioch, right over here. Right? This was the home church of Paul. And as Paul was sent out, and as he's going now on this second missionary journey with Silas, he begins to travel by land this time, and he goes north, and then he goes west. And as he's traveling to the cities that he planted, or the churches that he planted in those cities on the first journey, whether it be in Derbe, Iconium, Lystra, and Antioch of Pisidia, 
that he's traveling through these regions and he's encouraging the churches, delivering the letter that was from Jerusalem saying, follow, uh, follow uh, in this way that, that you've been taught. Don't worry about being circumcised, but abstain from certain things. And he's delivering this message. The churches are being encouraged. And a wonderful thing is happening on this journey. And from there, Antioch and Pisidia, Paul and Silas and company, they begin now to, to journey beyond the churches that were planted on the first one. And they are going, and it says that Paul was attempting to go into the Galatia region. So this is like Asia Minor, modern day Turkey, not the, the Asia or the Far East that we know it today. And so Paul is wanting to go into the region of Galatia, but God said no. He said, I will not have you go into this region. And he stops them and he gives them the big red light. He says, no, this is not the place. I forbid you to get into this space. We can pass by that verse very quickly. But Paul is a church planter. Paul is a person that wanted to plant churches wherever he went. He was an apostle, a leader of the first century Christian community. And how that news fell upon Paul, I'm sure that there was some sort of fight against that forbiddenness of this region. But nonetheless, he's going by and God says, no, you, you don't go here. And so then he goes to the next region and he wants to go to Bithynia. And in the same thing, it says the spirit of Jesus said, no, you are not to go here. And again, another red light, another sh a door slammed shut right in front of them. And how, how do they process that? Twice now, they're trying to go into a region. And for some reason or another, God says, uh-uh, this is not what I have for you. And for some reason, Paul was not the right person at that particular time to go into the regions of Galatia or Bithynia. And then it says, they're just going and they're passing and they're going and they make their way to Troas right there. And there in that city, they receive a vision. A man of Macedonia, of Europe now. And so they're moving from Asia Minor, and God is opening up the, the region, the entire continent of Europe to them. And there in Troas, they receive a vision. A man saying, come, we need you. And, and interpreting that vision as God was calling them to preach the gospel, it says that they set a straight course for Samothrace, right? A straight course. They went there and the very next day they went to the next city. And then from there they went to Philippi, which was the leading city of that district. And so here you see two red lights and one green light, so to speak. You see God saying no twice in order for him to open the door to a different region. Now we live in and look at the Bible in hindsight, right? We look at it and say, yeah, okay, great. I, I see now why God brought him there and what he was doing. And we can interpret it that way because as the saying goes, hindsight is twenty twenty, right? You can completely learn every lesson, but as we were going through it and we're being denied something, there are a lot of emotions swirling within. And in a life of faith, as we deal with God, that conversation is organic. But this is happening in this journey. And so I want to talk about kind of the first thing of wanderings and beelines. And wandering meaning not really knowing where you're going or what you're doing. And then there are moments in life and seasons in life where it's crystal clear. And it's as if we're going from one place to the other in a straight beeline. You know, 
I, I know where I'm going. This is what I should be doing. And we're going there. And there are other seasons where it's like, you know, I feel like I want to do this or I should do this. And that opportunity is not opening itself up to me. And we're just kind of in that space where we don't know. It's unclear. And uh, should, I, should I get that place or should I walk into this relationship or should I, should I prepare myself in this way in the career? And it's like, I, I don't know. And it, someone asks us, hey, what are your plans for the next year? And you're like, I, I don't even know the next week or month. And there are seasons where we feel as though we're wandering. And there are also other moments in life where we're so clear about it. I know exactly what I'm to be doing. I can make a straight line from here to that space because this is where I'm headed and I'm confident. And I think we need to be able to understand our faith in the midst of both seasons. Yes, we want life to be a series of beelines, you know. We don't like to wander, but we want to go from this space and I know it's preparing me for that and I'm going to go there and from that space I know it's going to prepare me for that and we go straight to the next one. We want life to be a series of beelines, but in actuality it's not. In actuality, life is a combination of wanderings and beelines. I, I really don't know where one ends and the next begins, and it's kind of like that in life. And we have to learn how to deal with that, and our faith needs to learn how to shoulder both wanderings and beelines. I think there's at least a, a, a few things that I want to outline to you that would be potentially life-altering realizations, right? Things that will, if you were really to grab a hold of this realization and apply it to your life on a regular basis, I think these would be things that can free you up, that can really just take anxiety and melt it away. If at least you allow these three things to sink into your heart. The first, I would say, is this, that we don't have to have life figured out, all right? that it's okay if I don't know what next year is going to be. It's okay if I don't know if this position is really going to go to the next. It's okay if I'm unsure about the relationship. It's okay if I don't know. I mean, this takes the control freak and really gets them all bunched up. You know, it's like giving them a wedge. It's like, ah, it's uncomfortable, right? It's like, ah, I don't like it when it's not planned out and mapped out, you know? It's like, to the control freak, I mean, their goals have goals, right? It's, it's just that way. Their underwear drawers kind of color-coordinated. Everything's mapped out and planned and going to, to, to how I want it, right? But if I come to this space where I say, you know what? I think it's okay just not to know. And I, I approach life, relationships, opportunities differently. There's a relaxed nature to myself. There's a trust, an inner peace. It's not that I have to have it and I got a stranglehold on it and I begin to, to sever relationships just to get this because I have to have it. But I begin to live life more open-fisted and I begin to say, God, I trust you. Will you bring this into my life and it changes the posture of my heart and how I pray, how I deal with people, how I work and there's just a confidence there that's unassuming but present, that influences, yet it's hard to see. And this type of realization of saying, you know what, I'm going to live life in faith, I'm going to trust God, and I'm going to walk. I think it frees us to live life to its fullest, to 
enjoy it moment by moment, day by day, to live right there in that space and say, God, thank you for this day. I don't know if it's going to really lead me to the thing that I want tomorrow, but thank you for today. I live today in prayer and in worship and in freedom. I think that'll alter how we live each day. I think that's such an important uh, uh, perspective to have in life. A second realization is that God leads by both closing and opening doors. You know, that the leadership of God is not just God opening a door and saying, God, hey, come, come this way. That the leadership of God is also closing certain doors, whether they be harmful or just not the right time. Right? Just not the right time. And I mean, as a parent, I see this all the time in my relationship to the boys. I mean, they don't even know half of the things that Jenny and I do for them. I mean, quite honestly, they don't, right? It's like, I know they're going down a certain way. I will go in front of them and I will do certain things to prepare and make sure it's a safe environment just so when they get there, they can enjoy it. They have no idea that I prepared it that way, right? But with a parent perspective, I look in foresight and I say, you know what, that's going to be kind of there. They might fall off of that. That's a sharp edge. I'm going to tuck that away. And I do all of that in preparation and I close those things up so that they can enjoy the space as they should. And I can see God doing that. We don't even know it, you know. It's like we get angry in traffic. You know, one time, like it, it changed my mind one time, just thinking about traffic differently or thinking about a wrong turn. I mean, I'm somewhat of a fast driver. I mean, Jenny, like whenever she's next to me, she's always like, she's like holding on to that thing, you know, it's like, Whoa, right? And I always get a little too close to the car in front. She, you know, she tries to hold back at the nagging a little bit. She says, why are you always so close? And it comes out every now and then. And I realize it because she's like this, right? And I'm just working that right arm muscle for her. That's what I'm really doing, you know. She's going to have a real ripped right arm. But I'm that person, right? And so it's usually, you know, those, those moments when you're driving where you take a wrong turn by accident or something, for whatever reason, something happens or you get stopped at a red light and you didn't want to get stopped there or somebody cuts in front of you. And so because of that, you couldn't make the light. Like, oh, why'd you get in front of me, right? And so I'm kind of like that, right? And there was a moment where I realized, wait, maybe God was just kind of closing the door for me not to get into an accident or something. And I began to look at it with the perspective of how I preemptively kind of closed those doors of danger for my boys. And I began to see even a simple thing as driving and God refraining me from passing into an intersection because somebody else cut me off for whatever reason. I began to change my perspective a little. I began to see God's hand in the midst of all things and saying, what, okay. Now, I, I think as I age a little bit, I, drive, I do drive a little bit different, more mellow. I don't try to change lanes all the time. Whereas before, like in my 20s, I was always in a different lane. Which one's faster? Which one's faster? And I'm going, but now I'm a little different. I just kind of have my music or whatever on, and I'm just in the same lane, and I try to go that way now. Still faster, but still a little close, but nonetheless, predominantly in the same lane. But these open and closed doors, God leads by both. God leads by both. I mean, some missionary examples, you know, uh, the, the, the great missionary to Africa, David Livingstone, he initially wanted to go to China. God closed that door and opened up a different one for uh, a person like William Carey, the great missionary to India. He wanted to go to Polynesia. And these great regions that were influenced by these folks, it wasn't plan A. 
it wasn't the first thing that was on their radars, on their desires, on where they wanted to be or what they wanted to do. And this idea of being okay with God closing doors, it really points us because God's trying to open certain things in our lives. And one last realization that I'll give to you is, is this. God can direct us away from the things we normally consider good. I think this might be one of the hardest things to accept out of the three. Right? Okay, I don't have to have life figured out. I can live with that. Okay, there are open and, and, and closed opportunities. I can live with that. But when we are presented with something that is good, and that we are denied, I think that be becomes very difficult. That God can direct us away from things. Now, in our passage, it's Paul preaching the gospel to people who needed to hear it. That's a good thing. For Paul to go to Galatia or Bithynia and preach the gospel to people that haven't heard the gospel up to, that's a good thing. And God directing them away from that, that, it's hard to accept at times. You know? I, I think about, like, relationships. A lot of the times, we have a hard time moving on from a relationship that we thought was good and we cannot embrace the, the relationship either in the future or at present because we're stuck on what we thought was good. It can be a career space. It can be something that we have wanted that we thought was good for our lives and for whatever reason, it wasn't given the green light. For whatever reason, we weren't allowed to have that. And for one reason or another, it just fell off. And somehow it is so difficult to move past that. And I mean, I, you know, I, I look back at uh, relationships that I've had in my life. There, in high school, I thought I would marry the person that I was dating in high school. At that particular season, I thought that that would be the case. You know? And there are, are things that we have that are good, and for whatever reason, they pass. And I'm so, I mean, I'm very thankful that I, that did pass. I mean, I can look at that now, being married to Jenny and having the family that we have. I, I can say, thank you, God. But in that moment, that's difficult to let go of something that you think is good for you and to accept that. And that can free us to know that God can say no to something good and to know that He can direct us to another space. You know, in our passage, if you kind of go there, Acts 16, there's a, a hinge. There's something that changes. And we read verses 6 through 13, and something changes in verse 10. Before verse 10, the pronoun being used is they. They, okay? If you go to verse 6, and they pass through the Phagerian and Galatian region. Right? And verse 7, and they had come to Mysia. And verse 8, and they came down to Troas. Right? And so the, the, the idea that the person writing the book of Acts is saying they did it. And so it's kind of third person. It's like not, it's they. Right? But then you get to verse 10. Something changes in the city of Troas. 
Right? And so Paul and Silas and company, they were trying to go to Galatia. They were trying to go to Bithynia. And it says they came to Troas. But after they arrived in the city, something switched in verse 10. And when he had seen, speaking of Paul, the vision, immediately we sought okay, to go to Macedonia. And in verse 11, therefore putting out to sea from Troas, we ran a straight course to Samothrace. You see the difference? Before verse 10, it was they were doing it, the person writing it. And from verse 10 onward, it says we. And so the writer of the book of Acts is now included in the group of people that were going from, uh, from Troas into Macedonia. Who wrote the book of Acts? It was Luke. He's a physician. And so somehow I'm beginning to piece together the madness of God, right? That seems so weird and so random, but there is kind of like a plan to all of this, okay? So Paul and Silas and company are trying to go to Galatia? No. They're trying to go to Bithynia? No. And they make their way to the city of Troas, and suddenly there's now a person who has joined them from that city, and it's the physician, Luke. Maybe God was giving Paul a personal physician. I mean, Lord knows he needed one with all the things that he went through. Right? And you peel things back. Because God said no to Paul, to Galatia, to Bithynia, and yes, into this space, he brought a person, not only who would be maybe a personal physician to him, but he brought somebody. Now, we have the book of Acts and a gospel because we have a physician that was included, got to see things firsthand in this journey. And he was able to record all of that. And not only that, you got an entire continent now that was open to them, in the continent of Europe. And so, yes, it's hard to say, Lord, I, I want to accept the fact that you're closing these, these doors to me. But what really happens is, God says no to some things. Because what he's really doing is he wants to say yes to the right things. But in the moment, those some things are good and desirable. Those are the things that we want in the moment. And it's hard to say, okay, God, I'm okay without this. And you get through it. Yes, thank you for the yes to those things. But in the moment of that closed, shut red door, it takes a lot of wisdom and patience and humility to say thank you, God. And as soon as we begin to have a track record of, okay, being able to see some of this in our lives and how God deals with us, maybe it becomes easier later on in life. But this picture and this journey that God is taking Paul and company through, we begin to see closed doors happening and being shut because of God wanting to present greater opportunities that God shut the door twice on Paul and Silas in order to say yes to the right one, to that right thing. And when it says that from Samothrace, they, 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 they made a straight course there. It says that they sailed straight for Samothrace. As that, that's a kind of like a nautical saying. That means the wind was at their backs. You know, one commentator said they traveled 156 miles in two days. Whereas on the way back, it took them five days. So the speed was with them. The wind was with them. It, it's kind of that, that imagery when they sailed a straight course for that space. 
And that's kind of the image. When God gives you the green light, He sends winds at your back. You'll know through the circumstances as well that God is giving you the green light in this. But too often we fight it. We're going into a strong headwind and saying, God, I want this. And it's pride, not perseverance, that's leading us. Because there are moments where we're going to have to walk into the wind because God has called us to something that is difficult. And there are those times. But there are other moments where, where God has thrown everything at us saying, no, this is not it. And it is pride saying, no, I want to go this way. But when God gives us the green light, He, he gives us also through circumstance that confirmation. This is the space where He wants us. This is what He wants us to do. As I close, praise team, you guys come back. I'll say two things. Actually, sorry, before I get to that last thing. Keeping an open channel with God. This communication that Paul had with God, that's possible, that fluid nature. Being able to, to understand when God is opening a door and closing a door, these are things that are available to us. And these are, it's a lifestyle that we definitely should live. How does God communicate with us? He communicates through words of prophecy and inner conviction. And He can also communicate through circumstance. As I think about what brought us to, to plant even this church, City Chapel, it was a lot of inner convictions overlaid on circumstance. And it was the mingling of the two. And that lifestyle of communicating with God and having that ear inclined towards Him so that He can lead and guide us is possible in what Paul experienced in this passage. As I close, I leave you with two statements. And the first being this. Have patience when doors close. Not if, but when. That when they close, have patience. Wait through it. Understand that this is not the end. That a no is not never. Right? Just because it's a no now, it doesn't mean it's a never. And have patience through it. And lastly, keep moving. Don't get stuck. And I think one of the, the greatest demotivators in life for most people is a, is a shut door. For some odd reason, we just are immobilized by it. And we just stand by that door waiting for it. But keep on moving. Just know that God has greater opportunities for you in the days that are ahead. Can I get an amen? Amen. amen.